Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ to this earth to take over the governments of the world? Is that not what we need as human beings on this planet? What will his kingdom be like? And are we so focused on this world and the things going on in it that we forget about the main reason why we're here in the first place? What is that purpose? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Are we going to have World War III and soon? Is Ezekiel 38 being fulfilled and 39? I have my doubts. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Let's flip over to Genesis 3 and verse 15. This is where Satan, the devil, in the form of the serpent that tempted Eve, gets a prophecy against him. And I will cause hostility between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Unquote. What does all that mean? The offspring of the woman is Jesus, and he is coming and will come to a day when he will strike the head of Satan and kill him dead. Did you know that? Do you believe that? Well, he already struck Jesus' heel, and by that I mean had crucified him, but it didn't take. Death had no hold on Jesus, and now he's alive. But Satan is on his way to doom. He is doomed to death. Where do we see that? We are focused on uh, Ezekiel 38 and 9 right now because of the Ukraine and Russia. I believe that Russia had wanted a roadblock between Europe and Russia to block NATO from coming in and doing damage to Russia. And so is this something that could have been avoided? Yes, of course. Is it something that we could have expected? Yes, since it was being planned 14 years ago when George H.W. Bush was in, pre in the presidency. But it's complicated. We don't do the backstory research about anything. We just take sides. We decide that Putin's the bad guy and Zelensky is the good guy. We sanctify him while we demonize Putin. But is this God's form of judgment against the Ukraine a, a government, the Ukraine government of Zelensky? Well, I think maybe it is. But what I think is immaterial, what God thinks is material. Here's what God himself says about the fate of Satan. 
You can read along with me if you'll just flip over to Ezekiel chapter 28, not 38, 28. Here it describes someone he terms the king of Tyre. Well, Tyre was known as a sinful, decadent society. And its king was known as Satan himself. And there's lots of proof of that right here in the text. Starting in verse 11. This further message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. You don't sing a funeral song for somebody that's going to get uh, physically damaged and then live through it. No. You sing a funeral song for someone who's going to die. Give him this message from the Sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection. Now that cannot be any human. Full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. Now I'm married to a beautiful woman. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever met in my life. And she's still alive, even though she's in the nursing home and very, very ill. But he goes on to say, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. And then it gives a list of those stones. And I, I won't go through them all. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. Then... Or they were given to you on the day you were created. We're born. We're not created. We were created in the beginning. Adam and Eve were created. But this is applicable only to what you read in verse 14 of Ezekiel 28. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. Now, that can't be a human if he's angelic. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until, until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. Now, the mountain of God is his throne, in my opinion. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Now, in Luke 10 and verse 18, you will read how Jesus said that he saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. To go on, verse 18, you defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So, what did I do about it? I'll ask the question. So, I brought fire from within you and it consumed you. 
I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate, and you have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. Unquote. Most people have so little knowledge of the Bible, they've never run across this before. We never open the Bible. As Americans, there are many around the world who value and treasure the Word of God because it's so rare in their country. And it's so valuable and important in revealing what our futures are really going to be like. It is said that people can't know the future. Well, that's just simply not true. If they open up their Bibles and read it, they will understand the future. God is still active. He's still building worlds. He has big plans for this universe. And, you know, we pick and choose. We say that Meshach is Moscow and um, Gog is this monster that's going to have to be destroyed or something, this, um, this Rosh. Well, Rosh does not mean Russia. It means head. It means head. It, doesn't even, it didn't even exist at the time that Ezekiel wrote it. There was no Russia back then. And Meshach is a city in north or eastern Turkey not in Moscow. It's not Moscow, period. But we get our eyes on the Ukraine and we decide we want to take sides and we ignore the idea of what God is saying in the actual text. For instance, you will find on ancient maps Meshach and Tubal and Rosh and you will find that these are people or cities in Armenia, or what was Armenia, now is Turkey. It's in Turkey. That's north of Israel, by the way. It's not as far north as Moscow, but it is definitely north of Israel. And that's the meaning of this text in here in chapter 38 and 39. But listen to this, verse 17, chapter 38. And we're not paying any attention to this. We're paying attention to what we see in the news. If you get your news from the news media and you believe it, then you've got to do a little more backstory. You've got work to do. You've got to research what's really there. What's the history of the Ukrainian people? And where are they spiritually? Did you know there are several reports that show that Ukraine was the most corrupt country in Europe? Yeah, you heard right. The most corrupt country in Europe governmentally speaking, and its people. What about its people? Well, there are a lot of sinners in Ukraine, 
folks. Let's just face it. These are not all saints, but there are some saints there. There are churches there, and there are Gideons there that give out Bibles. It's still legal in Ukraine, even though it's heading the wrong direction, honestly. But anyway, I want to read this to you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Ezekiel 38, chapter 17. Are you the one I was talking about long ago when I announced through Israel's prophets that in the future I would bring you against my people? But this is what the Sovereign Lord says. When Gog invades the land of Israel, my fury will boil over. This doesn't sound like the return of Christ to me. In my jealousy and blazing anger, I promised a mighty shaking in the land of Israel on that day. All living things, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people on earth will quake in terror at my presence. Now that is a stunning statement and very scary. And it applies to you and me because we're earth dwellers. Mountains will be thrown down. Cliffs will crumble. Walls will fall to the earth. I will summon the sword against you and that is in uh, refer, referring to Gog, and summon a sword against you on all the hills of Israel, says the Sovereign Lord. Your men will turn their swords against each other. I will punish you and your armies with disease and bloodshed, and I will send torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and burning sulfur. In this way I will show my greatness and holiness, and I will make myself known to all the nations of the world. Now that does sound like the return of Christ. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The Lord is the master, the boss, the creator of heaven and earth. When he speaks, people should be afraid. And this is what he says. And this doesn't sound very comfortable for anybody on planet Earth, if you ask me. But then we come to chapter 39. Son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the Sovereign Lord, your enemy. I am your enemy, O Gog ruler of the nations of Meshach and Tubal. And again, that's not Russia. That's Turkey and Armenia. I will turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel, bringing you from the distant north. I will knock the bow from your left hand and the arrows from your right hand. I will leave you helpless. You and your army and your allies will all die on the mountains. I will feed you to the vultures and wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, says the Sovereign Lord. 
and I will rain down fire on Magog and on all your allies who live safely on the coasts. Then they will know that I am the Lord. In this way I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will not let anyone bring shame on it, and the nations too will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment... Now see, is it possible that Russia is bringing judgment, the judgment of God on the evil that's in Ukraine? Maybe. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I have declared it. We ignore all this, typically in America. Then the people of the towns of Israel will go out and pick up your small and large shields and bows and arrows, javelins and spears, and they will use them for fuel. There will be enough to last them for seven years. They won't need to cut wood from the forests or fields, for these weapons will give them all the fuel they need. They will plunder those who plundered them, or plan to plunder them, and they will rob those who plan to rob them, says the Sovereign Lord. And I will make a vast graveyard for Gog and his hordes in the Valley of Travelers, east of the Dead Sea. I will block the way of those who travel there, and they will change the name of the place to the Valley of Gog's Hordes. It will take seven months for the people of Israel to bury the bodies and cleanse the land. Seven months. Everyone in Israel will help, for it will be a glorious victory for Israel when I demonstrate my glory on that day, says the Sovereign Lord. After seven months, teams of men will be appointed to the search to search the land for skeletons to bury so the land will be made clean again. Whenever bones are found, a marker will be set up so the burial crews will come in and take them to be buried in the valley of Gog's hordes. There will be a town there called Hamanah, which means horde, and so the land will finally be cleansed. And now, son of man, this is verse 17, Ezekiel 39, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Call all the birds and wild animals, say to them, Gather together for my great sacrificial feast. Come from far and near to the mountains of Israel, and there eat the flesh and drink the blood. Eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes as though they were rams, goats, lambs, and bulls, all fattened animals from Bashan. Gorge yourselves with the flesh until you are glutted. Drink the blood until you are drunk. This is the sacrificial feast I have prepared for you. Feast at my banquet table. Feast on horses, charioteers, on mighty men, and all kinds of valiant warriors, says the Sovereign Lord. In this way I will demonstrate my glory to the nations. 
everyone will see the punishment I have inflicted on them and the power of my fist when I strike. And from that time on, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. Now in Israel today, you don't see that. You see about half of them living there are secular. They don't care about God or even think about him. Verse 23, the nations will know then why Israel was sent away in exile. It was punishment for their sin, for they were unfaithful to their God. In other words, they were into idolatry. They had another God before the one and only true God. Therefore, it sounds kind of like America, really. Therefore, I turned away from them and let their enemies destroy them. Now, that's a warning for America, if you ask me. I turned my face away and punished them because of their defilement and their sins of idolatry. And I put that in quotes, idolatry. So now, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will end the captivity of my people. I will have mercy on all Israel, for I jealously guard my holy reputation. They will accept responsibility for their past sins and shame and unfaithfulness after they come home to live in peace in their own land with no one to bother them. When I bring them home from the lands of their enemies, I will display my holiness among them for all the nations to see. Then my people will know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them away to exile and then brought them home again. I will leave none of my people behind and I will never again turn my face from them for I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Unquote. And that's the end of chapter 39. Are you ready for the return of Christ? What is he looking for? What will he be needing? Are we really going to heaven when we die? Well, what does that have to do with the return of Christ? There's not a word about going to heaven in the Bible. When we die, our souls don't go somewhere while our bodies lay in the grave. No. When we die, our innermost being, ourselves, goes to the God who built it. He is going to put it in his memory and then bring it back again at the time of your or my resurrection. It's not like we'll be eternally alive and there's nothing we can do about it. No. No, the soul that sins, it shall die. You find that in Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. This, the person who sins is the one who will die. See, the word soul is translated here as person. It's your personality, your person. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die.
all their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of their righteous things that they have done. Do you think I like to see wicked people die, says the Lord? No, of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. That's the whole purpose of judgment and punishment. In verse 27, we read further, And if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law, and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. In verse 32, he says, I don't want to see you die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. So how do we prepare for the return of Christ? Let's not forget what Isaiah said. He will rule with truth and mercy. He will always do what is just and be eager to do what is right. That's in chapter 16 of Isaiah and verse 5. I want to end today's podcast in chapter 9 of Isaiah. Verse 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That's Jesus. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. I love that. And like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift their heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And then, dropping down to verse 6. For a child is born to us, that's Jesus. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. You see, we're not ready to govern. If you're not ready to govern, you're not ready for the return of Christ. It's that simple. He's looking for people who know him well enough, who know him intimately. They know what he loves and what he hates and what he will tolerate and what he won't tolerate. For a child is born to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Only Jesus can do that. Only he will have the power as a very powerful spirit being to destroy his enemies and bring forth a healthy government. His government and its peace will never end. That's wonderful. We will no longer have militaries on the planet. There will be no war. There will be no nuclear weapons. There will be no armaments. There will be no military at all anywhere in any country. That means no Coast Guard, no Navy, no Air Force, no Space Force, certainly, no Army, no Marines, none of those. They will turn their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. His government and its peace will never end. 
The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And you can read the rest here in Isaiah 9. Let's keep our focus on what we're here for, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and not worry about armies and war and nuclear bombs and all that, because He's got more power than they do. And He's on our side. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to my website, it's the letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and Y, W-H-Y dot com. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time.